0: Man here, all right. Good to see everybody. I think we have a special song that we want to play. Yeah! There we go. Does anybody know this song? Which song is this? The, not how's it? the Ohio State fight song for the Tyson Gentry. Who's excited to hear Tyson speak today? He's backstage, so he can definitely hear you. Uh, Tyson and I have been friends for a very long time. I actually told somebody at our Port Clinton campus, he and I graduated together uh, in 2004 from the Perkins Pirates. (laughs) And Tyson, um, I probably would say he was a better athlete than me. Maybe that's debatable. He was a great athlete. He'll tell you about his story. And then, of course, uh, had an accident. He's going to tell you all about that. But what I do want to tell you is a couple things. First of all, after Tyson shares his story, uh, we're going to do a question and answer session from the audience. And so Brittany Wadsworth will come around with a microphone. Just raise your hand. Uh, you're more than welcome to ask him any question. Uh, Tyson is an open book. He will answer anything you want, of course, appropriately, Please. Um, but he would love to answer your questions, and he wants to use his life for God's glory, so please feel free to do that. Also, uh, Tyson and his wife Megan have two boys, Adam and Ryan, and they run a foundation called New Perspective Foundation. They've been here all weekend. Uh, They had an awesome breakfast I was at on Friday. Roy Hall spoke from The Ohio State University. They had a golf scramble yesterday, and they're raising support for New Perspective. New Perspective is a foundation that helps uh, pay for the expenses, the travel expenses of loved ones whose family member has had a spinal cord injury, and so he's going to tell you more about that. So if you go to newperspective.org, you can read about it. Also, over the next twenty-four hours, they have a raffle going on. They're giving away four tickets to Ohio State versus Notre Dame, which is amazing. September third. I already did my raffle ticket, so I'm hopefully I get selected. Told Tyson to select me, but he can't do that. But If you want, it's $25 per ticket. All goes to his foundation. And what an incredible opportunity that could be to go see Ohio State. Great tickets, by the way, too. So I want to pray for us, and I want to invite Tyson out. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity just to hear from Tyson. Uh, I know Tyson, from his injury all the way through this, God has wanted to live for you. And so I just pray, Lord, for anyone here who's discouraged, who's hurting, who's sad, who's going through a hard time, that they could walk away hearing Tyson's story and maybe have hope again in their lives. Thank you for Tyson. Thank you for Megan. Thank you for their sweet boys. We're so grateful that they have chosen to be with us this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's give it up for Tyson and Megan Gentry.
1: All right. All right. All right. So I heard backstage, Eric said that I got the athletic ability, but uh, I think he's got a much better stage presence than me, so uh, I'll try and live up to, to his energy and everything that he always brings uh, every time he gets up here on stage. So thank you very much for the warm introduction and this opportunity to speak to all of you here today. Um, definitely want to thank Pastor Eric and Pastor Todd for all the amazing things that they do here, the whole pastoral team, church elders, deacons, everybody that goes into making the chapel what it is. Um, I I watch a few different churches online. I know there's a YouTube channel that I will go back and catch up with different sermons that I miss here at the chapel. And uh, it just reminds me of the, the church that my wife and I went to when we lived in Florida. It's an amazing church, and uh, the lead pastor was Pastor Jerry Lancaster. He was there when the church was founded, and I think before he was retired, it ended up being about 43 years that he was there. and. Amazing guy, but I remember him saying that when he first got started at that church, he was worried about, gosh, you know, how am I going to fill the seats? This is a brand new church. Nobody knows about us. How are we going to have enough money to keep the church afloat and make sure things can keep going? And one of the church elders shared with him that as long as you preach the word of God, everything else will take care of itself. And I think that's exactly what uh, Pastor Eric and Pastor Todd and everyone else are doing here. And all the people in the seats here are proof of that. So. Thank you so much for sticking to the Word of God and uh, coming here again today. So with that, um, the theme of my speech is on the topic of why do bad things happen to good people? And I think this is something that we can all relate to. We've all asked ourselves this at one point uh, in our lives or another, and we immediately go to pity, and we ask why me or why them, and, uh, or we put ourselves in the judgment seat and we say, I don't deserve this, or they don't deserve this, or we try to justify the situation and say, well, I feel like I'm a good person. I go to church. I treat other people kindly, as long as they don't cut me off in traffic. Um, You know, I I try to be a good person, so why did these bad things happen to me or other loved ones that I feel don't deserve this? And it's only natural to ask these questions and to get mad when things happen. Um, When we're in the midst of it, it, You can't look beyond your circumstances, and that's okay, but I want you to please remember that just because bad things happen doesn't mean God wanted them to happen. And this reasoning I hear far too often from people who don't believe in God or don't have faith, and it just, it always gets under my skin because if they only understood that God doesn't want these bad things to happen to us, clearly we live in a fallen world, and um there's a lot of evil that that we have to deal with on a daily basis but to sit there and blame god for when bad things happen it just it never sits right with me and i i wish i would always have an opportunity to say hey you know let me share a few things with you but uh sadly that's never is that easy of a situation to be able to um explain away someone's rationale for blaming god um But the question still exists, if God loves us, why do these bad things happen? And it's a very complex question. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that I have all the answers, and I'm sure Pastor Eric doesn't even have all the answers, but a big part of it boils down to the fact that we live in a a broken world. God gave us free will, and Adam and Eve, in the very beginning, uh, made the choice to disobey God, and because of their decision, we have sin in this world, so we are now exposed to Pain and sadness and suffering and all kinds of things that uh, we wish weren't a part of our daily lives, but the truth is it is. And in fact, the uh, the Bible is full of uh, verses that remind us of this. And uh, go ahead and switch to that. So, uh, John sixteen thirty three says, "I have told you these things so that we may, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world." Second Timothy. 312 says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Psalms 3419 says, the righteous person may have troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. And the Bible is just full of verses like this that remind us that bad things are going to happen at different points in our lives. Trials and tribulations are a given. It's not a matter of if, but when, and before you that this is a doom and gloom uh, speech or sermon it is not uh, so please don't leave here just waiting for the world to, or the the sky to fall and things that just go bad as soon as you uh, pull out of the parking lot all right there's uh enough to worry about and i think we all have enough anxiety on a daily basis that we don't have to leave here today thinking that the sky is going to fall on us but it's important to always find a silver lining when we're in the midst of tragedy and the book of romans has become one of my favorite Uh, books in the Bible, since my injury. And uh, Romans 8, 28 is a verse that I find myself most often sharing with people. And it says, and you can go ahead and go to the next slide, please. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And so as part of finding a silver lining, we should be asking ourselves, how can God use my situation or my trials or my adversity or my pain or my sadness and suffering. How can God use this for good? And in the beginning, it's an extremely hard thing to do because all you can do is really focus on the the difficulties and the trials that you're going through. And again, that's natural, that's very human, and um, please don't get discouraged because of that. But we shouldn't just continue to ask why me or why them on a continual basis. At some point, you have to start looking for that silver lining. So yes, my life may still be unfair, but as you look for that silver lining, don't give up your faith in God just because life is unfair at times. You're going to have to live with unfortunate circumstances at different times in your life. Sometimes they last uh, a short period of time and they're brief, and then other times, other situations, they last a lifetime. The man you see before you is a result of plenty of bad days. Plenty of bad days where all I wanted to do was sit in my hospital bed and feel sorry for myself. Plenty of bad days where I didn't want to go down to therapy or I got frustrated at therapy because I wasn't seeing the, the improvements or the results that I had hoped for. And plenty of bad days where I just was feeling down because I couldn't get out and do the things that I used to be able to do and enjoy. And uh, it's tough. So when you're in the midst of a storm, it's hard to see the sun through the clouds sometimes. And again, that's okay. It's all part of the process. And that's the word that you need to keep in mind when you're going through a hard time, is that it's a process. It's not going to happen in a day or two. It may happen in a week. It may happen in a month. It may happen in more than a year. But again, it's a process, and you have to surround yourself with your loved ones to get through that process. So how did I get here? Why am I here at the chapel here speaking to you today and sharing this story with you? Well, I believe that God's timing is always perfect. And so my theory is, and this is just my theory, that I believe the decisions we make combined with the things that happen cause a ripple effect that slowly spread out, affecting other people and other events. And as those ripples spread out, good and bad outcomes ensue, sometimes immediately, and sometimes it takes years down the line to see the end results of the different decisions and things that we make and how they play out. And prophecy is a lot like this. I love the phrase concealed in the Old Testament and revealed in the New Testament. There are prophecies that were written thousands of years ago that at the time didn't necessarily make any sense, but after Jesus was on the cross and died for our sins, we can read and look back and realize that, oh, this is what this meant, and it was prophecy, and this is how God fulfilled it. And God's incredible timing just works that way. And again, just because we don't understand it today doesn't mean that down the line things won't make sense and a lot of that has come from my injury I didn't realize until years after the fact and I believe that God works within the smallest moments of time and um, again at the time you, you won't realize it but and even eventually or inevitably you might not ever realize that you know God was working in this moment um, a good example might be somebody cuts you off in traffic and what do you do you get mad you might honk your horn and call them a name or something like that but what if because you missed the light because you got cut off that down the line you didn't just uh, avoid getting rear-ended or in a different accident that would have caused even more pain and suffering than simply getting cut off Uh, what if maybe your kids get sick so you have to cancel vacation and at the time you're upset because you only get reimbursed half the money because let's be honest they always want to keep your money right and You get upset about it, but maybe there was something that was going to happen on that vacation that now you've avoided because uh, you had to deal with a little bit of sickness and that's it, and you can move on and uh, go on in in ignorance and just be blissful because you didn't have to deal with that tragedy that would have happened on vacation. Um, So there's multiple scenarios that might play out like this where at the time it might seem like an inconvenience or something bad that happens, but... I believe it's God working in those little moments, and His timing is always perfect. So my walk and role, obviously, in faith is a result of numerous decisions, interactions, and events in my lifetime, and all of which I truly believe have led me to be here on this stage in front of you today and led all of you to be in the seat that you're in today to hear this message. So honestly, even if there's only one person here today that needs to hear exactly what it is that I'm saying, uh, I will have considered this a a great success. So hopefully it's more than that. Um, Some of you may know, well actually let me back up a second. So I guess let me share a few of uh, the events that have happened in my life to kind of prove to you how I believe how perfect God's timing is. And um, in a minute I'll show you a, a video. But some of you may know that my life changed pretty drastically my sophomore year at Ohio State. At the time, life was great. I was a 20-year-old sophomore in college. Uh, we were just coming off of a great season where we beat the pants off Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl, which I'm looking forward to be, uh, do again here in uh, about a month on September 3rd. Um, I was 2-0 against that team up north. So if there's any uh, fans of there in here, I think there's an exit there. And there, probably a couple other emergency exits, but uh, just kidding, we love the rivalry. But uh, life was great at the time, and uh, I was living my dream. So on April 14th of 2006, the coaches decided that we would have a team scrimmage, and one of the series that I was on offense, I caught a ball going over the middle, and I was tackled. I hit the ground, uh, fumbled the ball, the defense picked it up, and started celebrating, and I just laid there. And uh, I'll let them play the video real quick and show you what happened. So not even a real noteworthy tackle or a hard hit, but just the way I landed, um, again, God's perfect timing, I didn't get up. And the next seven days would be the hardest week of my life. I would undergo two major surgeries in four days. Uh, The first, they went in through the front of my throat and put in a piece of uh, cadaver bone to help support the break. And then the second one was they went in through the back and um, put in titanium screws and and rods to help support my broken bone. And uh, it was, again, the worst week of my life. The, The best way I can describe it is extreme claustrophobia. I felt like I was buried up to my chin in concrete, and uh, honestly, it was worse than claustrophobia because I couldn't move anything to try and fight to escape. Um, It was like I was just laying there, and obviously, there's there's nothing I could do to to get away from the situation. Um, The worst part was that my nervous system was going haywire. As you can imagine, any trauma to the spinal cord, um, everything just kind of goes out the window as far as your norm of what you're used to. And anything that was um, sensory-wise would just be excruciating for me. So bright lights, these lights that are on me right now, it would, it would be painful for me to, to look at those. Any talking above a whisper would hurt. Um, anything unexpected that would catch me off guard, basically all these things would set off what felt like a lightning strike within my body and my whole nervous system would explode. And it was terrible. And on day five... I hit rock bottom. Um, it was in the afternoon and uh, not, not quite there yet. Um, it was in the afternoon and I was laying there in my bed, obviously, and just outside my ICU window across the street, they were doing renovations on one of the buildings. And what sounded like a pile driver slamming down onto a steel beam uh, started slamming about every 10 seconds. And every time it uh, pounded down, my whole body would just explode, and it was excruciating, and I just remember laying there, squeezing my eyes shut, trying to endure the pain, and I, I honestly gave up. I was through, um, and I just remember praying to God to put an end to it all. If this is what life was going to be like. I didn't want to have a part of it, and I just remember praying the Lord's Prayer over and over and over, and hoping that it, at one point, it would just all be over with. And that I would be absent from my body and present with God and have peace and just be done with it. And I'm not sure if I passed out from the pain or if a nurse came in and finally gave me some um, drugs to help me with uh, the pain. But I passed out and didn't wake up till the following morning. And as soon as I woke up, my parents came over to see how I was doing. And after we talked for a little bit, they explained to me that I had a new float nurse who had come over from another OSU hospital. And she was filling in, but she brought a note with her that somebody had written to me and thought that I might like to uh, see what it said. And so as my dad held it over my face so I could read the words, uh, an incredible feeling came over my whole body. And uh, it really just seemed like a, a mix of understanding and calmness came over me. And I'll never forget these words for as long as I live. And it said, never give up no matter how much adversity you face, you can always overcome. A lot of people believe in you. And there was nothing profound about what was written, but it just struck me in a way that I knew that God was telling me that I just had to be patient and endure and never give up. And from then on, things started to get better little by little. And uh, each day, things improved a little bit. And I slowly started to come around and get a little bit of movement in my biceps and over the course of a few months I was able to regain enough strength to be able to feed myself and brush my teeth and drive my wheelchair with my arm instead of my mouth. And uh, I learned to appreciate every little thing that I got back. And it's these situations that again, silver lining, you always need to find that thing for which you're thankful. Um, The the second thing that I would like to share with you, the event that happened was about nine months before my injury, and um, we were in the middle of summer camp. I was uh, going into my sophomore year of of college, and uh, part of what um, Coach Trussell would always like to do when I was there, or when we were there, is he would always expose us to people from all walks of life and from different backgrounds to basically show us that uh, you can have a positive impact on other people and it doesn't matter what your background is. And so this one particular evening, he had a guest speaker come in and her name was Rosemary Rossetti and she proceeded to share her story with us about a traumatic event that happened to her and the the will and determination that it took for her to get through uh, the thing that happened to her. And I'm going to tell you, for a room of athletes that are some of the most imposing physical specimens of uh, athletic ability that you can imagine, we were all in awe of her story. And Rosemary's probably five foot two on a good day. So please don't ever feel like you have to be some big muscular person to be um, mentally durable. That's not the case, it comes in all shapes and sizes. But anyway, at the end of Rosemary's talk, she handed out pieces of paper to everybody on the team and asked us to write a motivational message to the people currently doing therapy at the, the hospital that she was a patient at. And I just remember getting this piece of paper and looking down at it, thinking, gosh, what do you say to somebody going through such a traumatic event like she went through? And so after a couple minutes, I uh, wrote down what I thought I would like to hear and handed it in and just kind of went about my business. And nine months later, when I was in the ICU, uh, my nurse brought me this letter. So, God's timing is pretty incredible. And again, it was nothing profound, but it made me realize that God is always there, and you may not realize it at the time, but the timing is always perfect, and you just have to lean on God and understand that you're going to go through hard times, but um, you just need to take it one day at a time, and you can get through it. And really, that's the thing about hitting rock bottom, is one of two things can happen. You're at rock bottom, and you'll either give up, and you'll die, and if you believe in God, then you'll go to heaven, Um, or if you don't believe in God, then obviously we all know the alternative. But if Jesus Christ is your rock and your Savior, there's only one place to go, and that's up. So please don't ever forget that in the midst of adversity, you should always lean on God, and He will get you through. Uh, The last thing that I would like to share is an event that happened when I was 17 years old. It was uh, June of 2003, And um, my family and I drove down to Columbus to celebrate uh, my oldest sister, Natalie, graduating from Ohio State and to go to her commencement. And uh, I'll never forget watching from the shade of B deck in the northeast corner of the stadium as the commencement speaker came out and uh, congratulated all the students on the completion of their hard work and uh, addressed everybody in the crowd and started to impart some of uh, what he had learned throughout his lifetime and his career. Uh, for all of us, and uh, does anybody have any guesses as to who that commencement speaker was? Probably won't guess, but it was Christopher Reeve. Pretty incredible, and uh, I remember just sitting in the stands and feeling sorry for him because of everything that he had experienced, and for those young people in the crowd who don't know, Christopher Reeve was a former actor, he was actually the guy who played Superman, and he fell off a horse and broke his neck. And uh, he proceeded to take that and uh, has done a lot of, well, he did a lot of good things for the rest of his life because of his injury. But the speech that he gave, I, I don't recall everything that he said by memory, but I do recall him saying that adversity was a given in life. And thankfully, somebody cared enough to create a website that honors Christopher Reeve and has a lot of pictures and speeches that he gave, that he's, that he gave and um, you can go online and actually read his whole entire speech that he gave at that commencement. And there's two things that I'd like to draw your attention to that he talked about. The first was hope, and in reference to some of the other patients that he ended up doing therapy with, he said, for all of our differences, what we had in common was, a, was our disability and the desire to find a reason to hope. And that really just struck a chord with me because if there's anybody here today who's going through adversity or a hard time because of their circumstances or maybe the circumstances of somebody else, you have to hold on to hope. Um, Another great quote from our Bible verse from the book of Romans is Romans 5 verses 2 through 5. And it says, Through Christ we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, because we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance and our endurance produces character and our character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And that is incredible. We rejoice in our sufferings. I just, I can't, I can't begin to wrap my head around that, it's just such a profound statement. Who celebrates when they're suffering? But suffering produces endurance. As we suffer, we learn to tolerate the pain and the difficulties that we go through, and that produces the endurance. The endurance produces the character, and we learn to shoulder that burden that we've been given and to use it for good. And the character produces hope, and hope to me is the life force of change, improvement, and happiness. Without hope, we're left with doubt, despair, and a future that holds no significance. And change can be difficult, and moving forward can be very hard, but it's necessary if you want things to improve. It's plain and simple. It's absolutely necessary if you want things to improve. And thankfully, Jesus Christ is our eternal hope. He is the coming change to this broken world filled with all the pain in sadness, and suffering that we have to endure at different times in our lives. And for that, we should be thankful. The second thing that Christopher Reeve talked about in his speech was opportunity. And he said, It was not until I was immersed in my own rehabilitation that I realized an apparent tragedy had created a unique opportunity. I could do something to help. And uh, this reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. And so, again, Christopher Reed didn't have to do anything after his injury. He had enough money. He didn't have to uh, create the amazing foundation that he did that's helped countless others. And yet he took his adversity and decided to help others and make a lot of good come from it. So when you're in the midst of adversity, you have an opportunity, A, to glorify God. You need to take that adversity and give it over to God and allow him to be glorified as, as your example to others to show them that a lot of good can come from it. And B, the opportunity to help others. And our sorrows are opportunities to connect with others and to show them how God can help get them through their own difficulties. And if you want to feel better about your situation, help someone else with theirs. It's very simple, and we don't often think of that because we're constantly thinking about ourselves and what we're dealing with. But if you truly want to feel better about what you're going to deal with, you need to turn that into a better situation by helping others. And it really will make the world a better place. It may not necessarily improve your situation, And you'll still have to carry that burden but it will make the world a better place so i share these events with you to show you that if we take a step back it helps us realize just how incredible god can work in all these different things that happen sometimes we're too close to see the bigger picture and most of the time honestly we never fully realize all the good that can come from these situations so when I was laying on the field or in, my, in the hospital or struggling through therapy and everything, I never could have imagined all the amazing opportunities and the good that could have come from my injury. Obviously, all I was focused on at that time were the bad situations and the pain and the sadness that I had to deal with. But now, I don't ever want to miss an opportunity to give God the glory and to help others through the pain and suffering that I've experienced. And that's exactly why I'm here today. And definitely, I can honestly say that my testimony would not be nearly as powerful if I were just up here as some guy who used to play football. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people enjoy listening to former Buckeye players regale the stories of running out of the tunnel to 107,000 screaming people and all the amazing things that we got to experience and the blessings that we've got to experience. But at the end of the day, my testimony is as powerful as it is because God allowed me to get through the, the difficult times and to be here in front of you today. Um, another great verse that I'd like to share with you is John chapter 15, verse 2. And it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And the symbolism this, of this is so incredible. Um, for those of you who don't know this, gardeners will prune their, their crops To basically, they'll they'll cut them to cause the damage so that the plant will focus its energy and nutrients on that damage. So then more fruit will be born of that plant. And it's the same thing with people. We go through these difficult situations and God prunes us so that we'll be able to bear more fruit. And for me to sit up here on this stage and encourage you all in your journey and your walk and your faith. Um, at the end of the day you can turn around and do the same for others and that's what God wants us to do is to help others and to bear fruit in his name and to create all this positivity that can come from bad situations and inevitably not let Satan win because truth be told all of this pain and sadness is the result of Satan so one of the things that I love to tell people is that your trials become your credentials for helping others Uh, nobody's going to take what you have to say if you can't show them that you've walked the walk. I mean, how many movie scripts have been written about somebody who didn't have to overcome some adversity in their past? Um, how many people want to hear from someone who's been handed everything in their life or haven't had to uh, work and, and grind for what they've earned and things like that? Um, so, when you go through these sufferings and these trials, they're your credentials for, again, turning around and helping others. So, not long after my injury, I, I truly realized that I had to rely on God and not myself. In the ICU, I quit. I gave up. I was ready to be done with what I was going through, and I didn't want to have to face it. Um, but as much as I, wanted, I want to receive a miracle and be healed and be out of this wheelchair, God is showing me that it's more important to walk with Him instead of man. And I'm truly at peace with that. Uh, The pain and, and things that I deal with on a daily basis are well worth the opportunity to be here in front of you all today, and I'm truly grateful for that. So back to my original question, why do bad things happen to good people? Honestly, I believe that God needs good people to do His work, and it's those bad things that give us the platforms to do that work. The first thing Jesus did when he came on the scene to start his ministry was surround himself with good people, even though he knew that every single one of his disciples would eventually suffer for him. And to me, that's incredible to know that you've got to surround yourself to be able to do all this good that you have planned, but knowing full well that bringing these people into your life is going to cause them pain and suffering and eventually death. But obviously, he did it anyway, and we know all the good and all the people who were healed and saved because of these um, selfless disciples who gave everything up to follow Jesus. And I think that's what we're all here and called to do. So we have to trust God's timing. And uh, the last thing that I'd like to, to share with you that is, um, again, just one of the most incredible God moments of, of my life that have come, that's come from my injury and proves to me that God's timing is always perfect is that my injury was on April 14th of 2006 and that happened to be Good Friday and uh, that always stuck in my head about you know why would my injury be on Good Friday and the other date that you see on there is March 27th of 2016 and that happened to be Easter Sunday and uh, that's the day my son was born so when I was being wheeled off the field and all these questions were going through my head. I remember one of the questions was, would I ever get to be a husband or a father? And uh, God's timing is perfect, so I've got my amazing wife here in the crowd, and uh, I think my sons are back in the child care. so uh, you can't get to see them quite yet. We might bring them out later, but uh, uh, yeah, there's just been so many amazing blessings that have shown me that God's timing is perfect, and all this pain and suffering that I've experienced is for a purpose. And each of you should understand this as well, whether you're going through something right now or you'll go through something in the future that don't ever give up and just give it over to God and rely on Him. And the last verse I'll leave you with is Romans 8.18, where it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that God has revealed to us. So the best is yet to come. Just please trust God. Thank you.
0: Well, you might as well be the pastor of this church too, because that was amazing. Thank you, thank, thank you. you,
1: thank you. Oof, a little spasm. Ugh. You do yeah, we're good. We're good. Little muscle spasm. We're
0: good. <laughs> this we're is good. real life. I, I got right? my jazz hands on. That's right. This <laughs> is real life. Thank you, Tyson. Absolutely. We're going to open it up for questions, so if you have a question, I'll start with mine and then just raise your hand really big and then Brittany will come around and then um, ask that question. So Tyson, I, first of all, <laughs> hearing you say that going through this pain was worth it and is continuing to be worth it to help others is just mind-boggling to me. Even though I have a relationship with God, it's that's just what an incredible testimony that is. and. If people are questioning or seeing if there really is a God and they hear your story, what a great opportunity that is to give glory to God. So I just think that was amazing. My question is this. So you were injured, and the person that injured you was Kurt Coleman, who went to have a, a great NFL career. Mm-hmm. And here you are, you know, in your wheelchair. And so whatever happened with you and Kurt's relationship, and how did you forgive him for what happened?
1: Yeah, so really good question. I get that one quite often. And... uh Coincidentally enough, Kurt and I actually didn't meet before my injury. He uh, graduated high school early and reported for a spring ball um, in order to start learning the defense and uh, really just trying to make an impact on the team. And so the first time he and I officially met was after I was in the hospital and um, I had gotten out of the ICU and he came and visited me with a friend from high school because clearly he was uh, just very torn up about putting me in the hospital. and. and injuring me the way that he did but as you saw in the video he didn't do anything wrong so I think I'm very thankful from that standpoint Um, there are a lot of people who have spinal cord injuries who uh, are in that situation because of a drunk driver or somebody who was doing something wrong but to me Kurt was never to blame because he didn't do anything wrong so again I'm very thankful that I never had to live with that resentment towards Kurt and it was there was nothing to really forgive as far as I was concerned, and when he came into my hospital room, you know, we talked, and I told him that he had nothing to blame himself about, and, uh, you know, I thank God for that because I don't have to be bitter over why I'm in a wheelchair. I knew what I was signing up for when I played football, and mm. it's a dangerous sport at times, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was an incredible moment, and, uh, yeah, we'll be forever connected because of it.
0: That's incredible. Do you miss, I mean, it sounds such a dumb question, but I, it's one that I've wondered, I've probably some here, do you miss walking? I mean, do you miss the things that you did before this injury, or just have you gotten used to it, and you understand that's part of life now?
1: Both, yeah. honestly, yeah. I mean, gosh, uh, so we, uh, I, Eric told you about New Perspective Foundation. We just had our uh, fundraiser events this last over this weekend, and yesterday we had a golf scramble And I used to love golfing. I grew up golfing started playing, I think, probably at the age of five or so. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's so many things that I miss. And um, when I speak at different times, I'll share that my day would be wasted if all I did was sit around and feel bad for myself or think about all the things that I wish I could still do. Um, But, again, we all have burdens that we have to carry in this world. And like I said, some are short and some are long, and I um, am so thankful for all the good that has come from it, and to me, sitting here, seeing everybody here in the crowd, and getting to share my testimony, and encourage you all, and your faith in God, it's just made it all worth it, and I would rather be walking with God, than walking with man, like I said, so.
0: Amazing. My last question, and we'll go to Brittany in the crowd here, is I know, especially some guys too, especially the ladies, they want to know, how did you meet Megan, and how did that story unfold?
1: Uh, so jokingly, I like to say that you know she took one look at my wheels and fell in love, but <laughs> that's not the case. Um, so again, God's timing. I tell you what, um, we were both uncharacteristically late to class the first day. Uh, we had a linguistics class together, and um, the way that the classroom was set up was kind of like stadium seating, so the wheelchair accessible desk was all the way at the top back of the class. And because she was late, she just kind of snuck in and sat at the wheelchair uh, desk. And I was later than her. She was, uh, she beat me to class. But, uh, so we had to sit next to each other and we just became friends. And uh, she was a biology major. I was a speech pathology major. And I knew a lot more about linguistics than she did. <laughs> so she quickly realized that, hey, this guy might be a good uh, person to, to work on projects with. And we just became friends. And a little less than a year later, we started dating. So That's awesome. So, go to class, kids. Yeah, that's class. right. You've been married for how long? Uh, we got married in 2013, so about nine years. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. It'll be nine years in October.
0: Good. Well, go ahead. I don't know where Brittany's at, but there she is. Okay. Don't be shy. <laughs> um, What made you want to, like, keep moving and then, like, be more confident in yourself?
1: Um, What made me want to keep moving and be... More confident Confident? Is that confident? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it, honestly, a lot of it had to do with my personality before my injury. Um, I was always happy to be, you know, just kind of a, a goofball. I kind of always had confidence just to be around other people, and um, I always like to laugh. Uh, so not long after my injury, after I kind of got over the initial um, difficulties with my nervous system kind of going haywire, that eventually... Leveled off after maybe a month or so, and so as I kind of started to take on the situation and uh, realize this might be a reality for a, a long period of time, uh, it just I told myself you have to make the best of the situation, and that goes back to the excuse me the silver lining of of whatever it is you're going through, and uh, you can either choose to to quit and to put an end to it and cash in your chips and, and be done and just be miserable the rest of your life or you can choose to find uh, the things that you're thankful for and appreciate all the little things in life and I think when when you can learn to do that and find something for which you can be thankful even in little things um, again just for me to be able to brush my teeth like when I was first paralyzed I couldn't feel or move anything below my shoulders and uh, I had to rely on somebody for just scratching my nose so just little things like that to then be able to being able to do that on my own i'm just that independence that i was able to regain uh, i never want to take that for granted so i think just uh, again being thankful for all the little things and not taking those things for granted but good question
0: i remember coming to visit you and i remember scratching your nose yeah another time that i came I remember then you put on something on your hand and a fork slipped in and you started mm-hmm. feeding yourself. And that was right. only a few weeks or months later. I was like, man, this is so great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Um, awesome. In fact, I was going through the pictures and uh, you and Corey came and visited me and I saw that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's ways to improve your situation. You just have to be willi- willing to work towards figuring out how to improve things little by little. And uh, Eric mentioned my brace. I've got a brace that I use that can hold a fork. And, uh, gosh, I can remember the first time trying that brace, mm. and uh, <laughs> so I, I, I've only got bicep function. I can't move my wrists or my fingers or my triceps, and when I was first getting enough strength to feed myself, I remember bringing my, my hand up, and I tried using my tricep, and at that point, I wasn't obviously used to how my arm worked, and my arm gave out, and I almost stabbed myself in my <laughs> eye with my fork. So, gosh, can you imagine that insult to injury being in a wheelchair and then down one eye too, yeah, it's eye like, patch? and everything Yeah, right. Oh, They're man. like, "Ty, relax, dude. We get it. You're injured.
0: Come on." So, yeah, oh, that's great. Yep. All right, Brittany. Raise him high so she can see you. Hi.
1: Um. For people like are getting ready to play like football, what advice would you have for them? So people who play football, what, what, what? advice would you oh have what for them? advice do I have for people who play football?
0: About to start out playing football.
1: Okay, about to start playing football. Um, honestly, you know your body is your uh, instrument, and you, you really need to train your instrument and to work hard, lift weights, and learn how to play the game the right way. Trust your coaches and. Um, A lot of people will use bad technique and it makes the game dangerous, not only for yourself, but others. And, uh, you know, when you go to tackle somebody, don't lower your head down because obviously that will um, increase your chances of doing damage to your head or your neck. So, I mean, there are ways to play a dangerous sport safely. You see guys doing all different kinds of extreme sports and things, but they uh, train their, their bodies how to fall the right way and things like that. So I would just say, yeah, just... Um, make sure you lift weights to get yourself stronger so that you can endure, uh, the physical contact that comes with football and, um, just do what you can to, to be aware of your surroundings and to not try to injure somebody else, but to just make the play and, uh, get back up and move on to the next play. So, yeah. Have you ever had anger, um, about what happened to you? And if so, how did you deal with that? That's a very good question. Um, I guess I could say, honestly, yes. I, I'm sure there were days where I was angry, probably just because of the things that I couldn't do. And um, the first year was the toughest, obviously. Um, that first, going around the, the, that full year of going through every holiday and every season and things like that, to have to experience all those new firsts of, oh, well, I can't do this now. I used to love going skiing. And, uh, you know, the first time I went home, back to Sandusky, or the first time I came home uh, from Columbus to Sandusky, just being back in in town and not being able to just go out with my friends like I used to or do whatever I wanted. So I think there was definitely some anger that, that came up at that point. But I can honestly say I'm very thankful for the fact that I never got angry at God for my injury. I never asked, uh, why did this happen to me? Um, I do recall asking, you know, why did it happen so easily? Because, again, you saw the play. It, I've been hit much harder than that and gotten up and walked away fine. So why this play? Why, why did it happen so easily? Um, so, yeah, from that standpoint, I'd say, yes, there was some anger at times because, again, there's an adjustment period, and the process that I talked about, it's its a process to get through all that, but as you, again, reflect and, and work through things and understand that things may be different moving forward, you learn how to cope and to make the best of the situation, but good question.
0: Any anger now? I mean, obviously, going through that situation that first year, but now? I mean, what are some hardships that you face now that you struggle with?
1: Very good question, and I don't, I usually don't talk about, you know, things that, uh, that are the, the negative side of my injury, because again, why waste time worrying about the negative side of things, but to be honest, I mean, because again, we're all human, we all have struggles and, and weak moments, things like that, I would say the thing that I struggle the most with nowadays is, um, just not being able to go out and throw the football with my kids, or yeah. to be able to teach them the things that I want to be able to do and have them enjoy like I did. So, that's probably the hardest thing for me, is to have to sit back. But uh, hmm. I tell Meg all the time, I don't ever want to not go and do something just because I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah. There's no reason that we all shouldn't have to do it just because I can't do it. So, um, she snowboards. We'll go out to it's been a few years, but uh, we'll go out to Utah or whatever so she can go snowboarding that's and I'll stay in by the fire because I hate the cold now, and uh, I'm happy to just chill in the condo. And she can get her snow fix, and uh, yeah. So you know, there's always going to be a negative side of things, but uh, you just have to choose to focus on the positive side. It's awesome. Just one over here too, if you want to come over to the other side. Mm. Are you still oh, yeah. getting better? Uh, good question. So. I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily getting better. I don't want to have that sound negative, but it's more of like a maintaining um, that I'm kind of doing right now. Uh, I don't know how much longer after my injury I sort of plateaued, and uh, I didn't, I wasn't able to get any more strength back. Like, even though my biceps function, they're probably about 20% as strong as they used to be, so I, I can't really, like, for me to raise my arms up, like, that's probably about as high as I can get them. And as I spasm again um so you know it's just kind of maintaining the strength that I have so I'll do occasional workouts I know uh, I don't do it as much as I should and uh you're still skinny thanks a lot (laughs) man yeah well that's the one thing or not one thing that's another thing that I'm very thankful for so my appetite has been cut like in half so if I ate the way that I used to gosh I (laughs) I I'd have a much bigger wheelchair let's just say that (laughs)
0: So I, I think maybe some people wonder when you spasm and, and your legs yeah. kick out, you can't feel that that's uncontrollable, so right?
1: It's uncontrollable, but I can feel it. Um, one of the things after my injury, probably, probably after a couple of weeks, I started to regain sensation throughout my body. So I can feel um, touch. I can feel the wind blowing on my legs, and, but I can't feel pain or temperature. Uh, it's just one of the strange things with the nervous system and how it works. But if you've ever had stitches and they put local anesthetic, they'll put the the needle in, and you can still feel them putting the stitches in. You just can't feel the pain of it. That's kind of what my entire body feels like Mm -hmm. from the shoulders down, pretty much. So yeah, good question. Right over there, Tyson.
0: Were you able to finish um, college? And if so, are you able to use that degree? Do you find your degree helpful in your situation?
1: Good question. So, yeah, I, I broke my neck in the spring. I ended up dropping all of my classes except for one. I finished in the hospital because I needed that class to be able to uh, declare for the major that I was going into, which was speech pathology or speech and hearing science. And so I got the summer off, which was great, and then I started back up in the fall. And I ended up graduating in the f- in the spring of 2009, so it was about five years that I was there, which... I think it was all right. Some yeah, guys take five years to finish college anyway, so yeah. yeah. Thank you. And um, so I actually ended up switching career paths after my injury. I still love speech pathology and everything uh, that goes into it. Um, it was a great degree to learn everything about. But when I was, I did actually did a year of uh, my master's degree for speech, and then ended up changing my mind because it just wasn't what I wanted it to be. When I was in running the speech sh- speech session, as I <laughs> irony right uh running the speech session um i pretty much needed to rely on an aide to be in there and, and run the session with me and it just wasn't what i uh, i guess wanted so i got my master's in rehabilitation counseling and i use that a lot with working with families through the foundation so yeah it's uh, very rewarding for sure hmm. Brittany's making her way around so keep your hands going up
0: yep. way back there yep
1: hi hi uh, well, first question: Where, where in Florida do you live? So we're in Georgia now. Actually, we were in Florida for seven years, and then we've been in Georgia for about three years, three and a half years now. Because I was born in Orlando, Florida, and plus I'm a Florida Gator fan. So, what do you think <laughs> about Urban Meyer and the uh, Florida Gators versus Ohio State? I'm sorry, what's that? I can't so really. So he's hear a Florida
0: it. Gator fan, and he was talking about Urban Meyer, but you were with Jim Tressel.
1: Correct. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, if you bring up 2006, we're gonna have problems.
0: <laughs> uh, in Winner's Manual, Jim Tressel's book, you actually there's a chapter about you, and there at least a section. Tell us yeah. about your relationship with Jim.
1: Uh, Coach Truss is honestly one one of the greatest guys. Um, I will forever be in his corner, and uh, I I gave another uh, talk recently, and I always like to stress that. He always made it clear, uh, really from day one, that we weren't just there to be great football players, that we were there to be great beyond the game, and life is more about than uh, just being a a great athlete or a great football player, and that's why he would bring in guest speakers to share their stories and to show us that uh, there's more to life than the game of football, and so he wrote a book that was called The Winner's Manual, but we all had these big winner's manuals that over the course of his career mm. he compiled um, motivational messages from other players coaches and people beyond the game of football and all these different tenets that we would study each and every day every team meeting we would take time to study our winners manuals about what it meant to be good people and to be great beyond the game of football so um, the character of that man is next to none mm. and uh, if you ever get a chance to meet him I I greatly encourage you to go up and introduce yourself and He'll give you the time of day if he, uh, unless he's urgently got to be somewhere, he will sit and listen and talk with you, and he's an incredible guy.
0: That's cool. Yeah. There's Brittany here.
1: Um, so what was it like, like, um, so I remember when you were talking about, like, when, like, the, the, the construction building, like, kept on, like, falling up and down. How was that, how did that feel? Like, how, like, how, like, how was it? So when I was in the ICU and the construction that was going on across the street, um, the damage that had been done to my spinal cord was causing a lot of swelling, and that obviously causes the paralysis. Um, but it's almost like if you take a, a cord for anything electrical and you put a slice in it, um, you might get sparks, you might get you know, things that won't allow the electricity to flow through it the right way. And part of that was the hypersensitivity that I experienced. And I'm not really sure. I know it has to do with the autonomic nervous system. If you want an inser- interesting read, go ahead and look that up on Wikipedia, <laughs> what all that regulates and controls. And, um, but, yeah, I don't know why it did that. But, oh, my gosh, I remember it, it was even to the point where uh, if I was laying in my bed and, you know, Eric's to my right, if I closed my eyes and he got up and moved to the other side of the room, and I opened my eyes 10 seconds later, and he wasn't there, my whole body would just explode with like a lightning strike, is the best way that I can describe it. And uh, I have no idea why, but that took, oh man, that took months. In fact, my, uh, my dad almost had to uh, jump a nurse because she, <laughs> once I got out of the ICU and my step-down unit, I started doing inpatient therapy And this one time a nurse came in and accidentally dropped this big plastic bucket on the ground. Mm. And it's just clanging all over the place. And oh my gosh, I screamed because Mm. it just hurt so bad. Mm. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not really sure why, but it was just part of the injury.
0: Mm. Um, When and how did you start your relationship with God?
1: That's a very, very good question. Um, So... I would say I started my relationship with God, um, I want to say it's St. Michael's, that's not it. There was a a preschool that I went to in Norwalk, because that's where I lived up until uh, sixth grade. Uh, I started going to Perkins in fifth grade, and then we moved in sixth, but uh, I remember learning about Jesus and praying when I was at that preschool, and that's where my relationship with God started, and um, gosh, if we had several hours, I'd be able to share so many other God moments in my life that have again, reflecting back made me realize that um, God has always been there in my life. And there have been times where I've been closer to God and other times where I've drifted away from God. And um, just as the parable of the uh, prodigal son and being away from his dad, that even though he was away doing bad things, he was still the son of his dad. And that's the same thing with God, that even though we might drift away from God in our relationship at times, we're still... Uh, children of God, and he will never turn his back on us, so uh, walks with God, ebb and flow, and there's highs and there's lows, but uh, no matter what, God is always there with you.
0: I know a question that I I actually asked uh, Megan the other day at breakfast, and I I was surprised by this. I said, Megan, are there other aides that help out with your care other than her? And she said, no, it's all on her. Tell us just a little bit about what she has to do for you on a daily basis just to be able to get through the day.
1: Uh, so I guess the best way to explain that is to um, explain the staff that I had who did my care for me uh, before Meg came along and uh, just how amazing of a woman she is. So um, I had, uh, I guess I'll nighttime. So I would have uh, a night nurse or a night attendant who would come in and they would either help me to kind of roll on my side because you don't want to just lay in the same spot you can get pressure sores and uh, skin breakdown so a night nurse would come in and uh, help me roll on my side and onto my back at night Um, so to go to the bathroom I I have to use a catheter Uh, so during the night the nurse would um, use a catheter to help me go to the bathroom and uh each night I would do it's called a bow program but obviously we all go to the bathroom and um, so I I have to do that as well and then during the day I would have um, at first my sister would drive me to class and uh, drive me around things like that but then eventually I would have somebody else come in to take care of me during the day and uh, so basically even though I've got some independence I I need somebody around all the time because um, I don't have any trunk control there are times that if I fall over to the side or um, forward onto my lap I can't get back up so I mean as long as somebody's in a proximity that I can call for help um, I need somebody there all the time so basically Meg is doing the work of three people Mm. uh, every single day seven days a week 365 days a year and I don't know how she does it but uh, she makes living with a lot of the bad side of my injury a lot easier she's incredible a couple more I, I don't really have a question for you Tyson but um, oh, okay well. <laughs> but with uh, being a former graduate and knowing you all through you know our high school years and school years mm-hmm. um, I just want to say that you know your story and knowing what happened like after we graduated and um, just you know feel real grateful to you know, still know and appreciate everything that you've done on your journey. Thank you, Dolores. Uh, that's Dolores. She graduated with Eric and I, and, uh, you know, again, we, we all kind of have our paths that we take, And um, but, you know, I know that you've experienced a lot of adversity in your life as well, and yet here you are with a smile on your face and just being positive, and um, it's incredible. You know, we all have our adversities that come in different forms, and um, come and go in our lives but we have a choice that we can make to either let it ruin us or let it make us better people and i know you've obviously done yeah absolutely it's never fun but uh yeah you just have to allow it to make you a better person hi tyson hi
0: (laughs) i just want to ask about your foundation does it just help quadriplegics does it help paraplegics or Who does it help, and how do people get in touch with you or your foundation? Right,
1: so good question. Um, We help anybody who suffers any kind of spinal cord injury. It doesn't have to be a traumatic injury like mine. There have been ones who, um, there are people who develop cysts on their spinal cord, and then they eventually develop paralysis because of it. So um, our website is newperspective.org, and we assist as long as the person is either hospitalized in Florida, Georgia, or Ohio, or their family is from one of those three states, we can help. And so, being in Georgia, Atlanta has a, an amazing spinal cord injury hospital, and they get people from all over the country. And so, they'll need help with flight expenses, lodging. Uh, the Shepherd Center will pay for 30 days in their, or not pay for, they'll allow 30 days of lodging in their apartments that they have there right by the hospital. But after that, the families are on their own. So the foundation, our foundation comes in and we'll pay for, usually it's about a month to a month and a half that we can pay for based on our our, uh, limit of each family. But uh, yeah, I mean, those travel expenses add up so quickly. And the saddest part of it is it doesn't, a spinal cord injury affects the family in so many ways as well. And as, as tough as it, as it is for the person in the hospital bed, their families are often faced with the decision of either being by their loved one for support or working their job so they can continue to pay their bills. And the saddest story that I, I think the family that we have come across is by the time the person was getting discharged from the hospital, they were in Atlanta, um, they quit their jobs, but they didn't have much money in their savings, and they ended up losing their, it was a trailer that they lived in, and by the time they were being discharged from the hospital, they were homeless Mm. because they wanted to be there to support their loved one. So, we really want to alleviate that burden, and uh, as we hope to continue to grow, we want to help people from all 50 states. So
0: You shared at the breakfast here today how much your foundation has raised. Can you share that number? It's amazing. Yeah,
1: we just hit the uh, $300,000 mark uh, this year, earlier this year, and I think we're around 110 or 120 families that we've helped so far since uh, the end of 2014.
0: So, yeah. Can I something, Peter? Yes.
1: Um, with your speech and, and, and how you, you view life in a positive uh, way, you give me a lot of hope. Thank you very rules. much. I appreciate that. That means a lot. And Me and his cane don't like each other. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we can race later, all right? <laughs> you look like you're a speedy guy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Let's take
0: one last yeah, question so and then... Your um, poor son over
1: here. Oh, my son. Uh, wait. my son. Oh, he's got number 24 on. This is perfect. That was my number uh, Ohio State. was your number. I
0: forgot about that. What um football um, college team do you still like? Oh, what football yeah. college did he used to like? What, what football you? college team do you still like? Oh, does he still like now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely,
1: Ohio State. Yeah. yeah, go Bucks, right? Oh wait, <laughs> I O. All right. right, there you go. Yeah, we got a Buckeye fan over there. That's Very right. good.
0: We'll take one last one with we'll the two, those two right there, Brittany, right this, right there, and right there, and then we'll let Tyson meet you in the atrium afterwards. Was it harder to cope with the um, physical or the mental?
1: Great question. Mm. Um, so, I don't know that I can give an answer as far as like one being harder than the other, but I can say that, obviously, the physical uh, injury led to a lot of mental difficulty. Um, so, they, they almost kind of fed off each other. And when I was laying there in the hospital, especially before I could really uh, move anything at all, um, all I could do was just lay there and and stare at the ceiling. Like, I had a a C-collar neck brace on and um, couldn't really look around or do anything. And honestly, I was too afraid to look around anyway because I didn't want to do more damage to my spine. And um, I don't know, I mean, I just spent a lot of time praying and thinking and allowing me to to reflect on things and you know what do you do when you when you literally can't do anything but uh i don't know that's a really good question probably the mental stuff i i mean because again at the end of the day like when you're sit th- sitting there with only your thoughts um you know i could talk to my parents and they did their best to distract me from my reality but uh yeah, the mental side can be very difficult at times but just surround yourself with your loved ones and people who will be there with you and for you through thick and thin.
0: Mm. Last question, right back there, Brittany, if you see her.
1: So, um, after the play, when you realized you cannot get up, what was the first thing you thought? Good question. She asked, What was the first thing I thought? Um, so, I honestly, it took me about three seconds before I was like, Okay, I'm not going to get up from this. It's not just like a stinger or um, an injury that, you know, something that I'm going to walk off. And so as I was laying there, I was laying on my side. um, You could see it in the video. Um, The trainers came up and they were asking me, you know, can you feel when I touch here? Can you move this? Can you uh, wiggle any toes or anything? And so I was just saying no, 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 because obviously there was nothing that I could do. Um, But when I was laying there on the field, uh, I think just the questions of, Will I ever walk again? Will I ever play football again? Will I ever get to be a, a husband or a father? Um, those are the questions that were really going through my head because it's that, you know, what does the future hold? And um, all you can do is just wait. And that's really what the name of the game was when I was in the hospital. They kept saying it's, the, the phrase that kept getting said over and over was hurry up and wait because literally that's all you can do is when the swelling subsides we'll see how much function comes back because you can make improvements there are people who break their necks and are temporarily paralyzed and then they eventually get um majority of their uh function and sensation and all that back but even then they still have detriments um uh the penn state player adam teleferro thank you i mm. forgot his name yeah. um adam is similar injury to mine but he can walk now his right arm and, and hand is a little weak. He doesn't have uh, full strength in that, but he, if you, unless you paid close attention, you wouldn't even notice that he was paralyzed. So different uh, recovery levels of, of different injuries, and every injury is different, but uh, yeah, good question. Well, can we just say
0: thank you one more time to Tyson for sharing today?
1: Thank you, everybody.
0: So what we'll do is um, I'll accompany Tyson, and we're going to go back all the way around, and uh, he would love to meet you, and you can find out more about his foundation. Again, newperspective.org, and if you want to sign up um, and buy a raffle ticket for that Ohio State-Notre Dame game, if you win, you just have to take me, and then you get three other spots, actually two, because you and me, and then those other two people, but there, again, it's for the foundation, so make sure to do that, and then if you do want to meet Tyson, um, I know Tyson and Megan and the boys are going to head out of town tonight to start their trek home, and so please just be respectful of his time. Um, if you want to take a picture or share a thought or ask a question and then just continue to move on, if that would be okay. So
1: Yeah, I would love to meet all of you, and uh, we have a, a long drive ahead of us, so, uh, yeah, come on out, and we'll say hey and get a, a picture and whatever else. All
0: right. Thanks, Tite. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, man.